just for that very reason, to give you all the praise and glory due your great name. Lord, help us to see today that we are here primarily to give, primarily to give to you praise. And in the midst of that, yes, we will receive from you your word, your blessing. Um, We will receive so many things, but Lord, we're not primarily here to get. We're primarily here to give. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be givers in worship in tithes, in prayers, in study, in everything we're about today, Lord, we just pray that we would be givers to your great name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If you'd have a seat and uh, take one of these blue connection cards, we would love to know who is uh, worshiping with us today. And especially if you're maybe a first or second time guest and you've not filled out one of these before, please fill this out. Keep this with you at the end of the service Take this to the Connection uh, Center, and they would like to give you a a token of our appreciation for you being here, and just check in with them. And, of course, for the rest of us, there's this uh, black and white card, prayer card, and the staff and pastor will be faithful to pray for those. Uh, We do that every Tuesday morning, so please fill that out and put that in the offering plate. Well, worship with us as we share uh, a great choral song with you that just talks about the majesty of our God. Uh, Behold our God.
give our God thanks today. Come adore him. There is a Setting me free. 
once again for all you've done. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. Jesus, I time. Lord God, we give today with a grateful, with a thankful heart because of all that you're, you've done and all that you're going to do. You're not done with us yet. You're, you're leading us in a, in a life, a journey of sanctification, and we're growing closer to you each and every day. Lord, those who uh, love you and, and are, are called according to your purpose, we're just growing in you and, and learning from you each and every day. And Lord, we pray uh, that we would continue to grow in our faith through prayer, through giving, through Bible study, through all of the disciplines that you've called us to do. And Lord, we just pray you bless this time of giving now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as we continue in a uh, spirit of thanksgiving, I've chosen a 320-year-old a text. And the cool thing about this text, it is as relevant today as it was back then. Isaac Watts wrote this. And it's widely accepted that he was meditating on Galatians 6.14 when this text came to him. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And if I may, let me ask you to... Uh, uh, let's say... Let's, the song will have a... a, a, a climax, a, 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 an apex point, and let that apex point be where you say, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And that's really where this song points to, okay? And so let's sing it together.
I appreciate our choir and Brother David's leadership and what a blessing it is to hear music that puts our hearts and minds upon the subject for today. And today we're going to talk about walk with the spirit, walk with spirit-filled lives. And we're going to talk about something as simple yet as important as Thanksgiving. So chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians, let's pick up in verse 18 in order to get our context once again. Ephesians 5 verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And now as we begin to read, we're going to have five participles of result of being filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as parents, one of the first things we teach our kids once they're able to talk is to say thank you, right? Saying thank you is a rudimentary part of politeness and good manners. I don't know how you feel about this, but when I look at our world, I am shocked at the decline of politeness and manners in our environment. We know this. We realize that to not express thanks is not only a sign of ingratitude, it is also a sign of rudeness. So giving thanks is certainly a core element for good manners. We know that. It even has a place in our national life, doesn't it? Every year we celebrate it on a national day called Thanksgiving. It's coming up in November, and I don't know how you feel, but the heat has been rough. I'm looking forward to November. But Thanksgiving Day was instituted in 1789 by our first president, George Washington. And at the end of his declaration in declaring it as a national holiday, here's what he said. Oh, that we would have these kinds of prayers from our president today or at any time. He said this. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of the nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. It was morally right, I believe, to have a public day of thanks set aside to offer our God thanks. I think the fact that we still have a national day of thanks, I would say it is God's common grace extended to us as a people. We could have lost that day already. But I think because of common grace, we still have Thanksgiving Day, which is probably the most biblical of our holidays that we still have regarding how we celebrate it and how we think about it. With that being said, I can't miss the opportunity to say, Thank the Lord, God upon His throne, for overturning Roe v. Wade. Amen. Amen. Yep. I love to listen to Huckabee, and he said this morning on Fox, just brought me to tears thinking about the magnitude of this particular move from our Supreme Court justices, but he said, 
that we consider surgeries all the time, but that's the only surgery, abortion, where you're pretty much guaranteed that one is not going to survive. And we've called it health care in the U.S. God help us. God help us. To the, to the tune of 63 million babies aborted. That is one-fifth of our current population today. Wow. Praise God for this move. We pray that the state of Missouri will, will execute its trigger law, which we maybe already have. And so praise God for that. And so we give our Lord thanks. I think the fact, again, that we still have a National Day of Thanksgiving, we need to thank the Lord for. But I also need you to understand this morning that Christian Thanksgiving is not merely a common courtesy. It's not just good manners. Nor is Christian Thanksgiving even a manifestation of common grace. The kind of thanks that we're called to give, according to this text, has a supernatural origin. Please hear me. There's a major difference going on in the life of a Christian when we give thanks versus common grace that a lost person may just say, thank you. This kind of thanks that we are enjoying to offer in this particular passage of Scripture is nothing less than the result of the regenerating power of the Spirit and the grace of God to transform you into a believer. And when that happens, your heart is changed. Your mind is different. Your thoughts are different. So to be filled by the Spirit results in a unique kind of thanksgiving that we offer up to our God is something that only genuine believers can do through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So we come today to this fourth participle of result. It is to be continually controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And the one we see today is thanksgiving. So in your outline, I could not get everything I wanted to say on that small piece of paper. So I will let you know when I hit those two sub-points under being thankful. But please keep your pen out and paper because there are other things that I think you need to jot down for sure. But that's the heading. Fourth participle of result of being controlled and saturated, controlled by the Spirit, saturated by the Word, is being thankful. Guess what this word thanks, giving thanks, guess what the word is? Do you care? It is in the Greek, eucharisteo, eucharisteo. So you already think about eucharist, and you would be right for thinking that when the Lord, at the Lord's Supper, blessed bread and he broke it and he gave, he gave thanks. That is the word, okay? Now, again, the noun form it has a different ending in the Greek, which is antatos or antates, which is different, okay? But it's still from that word. The term ends up standing Eucharist for the Lord's Supper, and it simply means to give or render or return thanks. Now, who wrote Ephesians? The Apostle Paul. So it would be good for us to think about his writings uh, in the New Testament. He wrote 13 epistles. Did you know... That 46 times in 13 epistles, Paul uses the noun or verb form of thanksgiving. With the exception of Galatians and Titus, this term is used many, many times by the Apostle Paul in his writings. So the Christian act of thanksgiving is not merely a common courtesy where we give God the nod to tell him how we appreciate what he's done. Thanksgiving is a form 
Thanksgiving from a Christian perspective. Now look, check this out. According to Ephesians 5, 18 and following is actually praise to God. This Thanksgiving includes praise. We see addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. Even though giving thanks modifies, in the Greek text, being filled with the Spirit, that's what it modifies, it still follows suit that this Thanksgiving is enjoined with praise to God. Now, I believe Paul was an apostle of thanksgiving. Just read his writings, you'll see. He begins each letter without exception, giving thanks. He gives thanks to people. How, uh, giving, he gives thanks to God for people. He, he lists names in these epistles that he is thankful for. And he also thanks the Lord for the work that he is doing through the people. But he was not only, a te- not only an apostle of thanksgiving, he was a teacher of thanksgiving. He wanted his readers to consider the fact that not only is he thankful, but we should pick up on that and become a thankful people. It doesn't take long to read Paul's writings to figure this out. He was an apostle of thanksgiving, but he expected us, he expected his readers to become people of thanksgiving. The first thing I want to say about that is I want you to realize that giving thanks is a moral duty, isn't it? I'm kind of adding some things. This would be a good point for you to say, outline part one, right? Is that it is a moral duty. Stop and consider the moral duty for a moment. How do we know it is? Well, the Bible expressly tells us that we are to give thanks to our God in all things. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus, that you give thanks to Him in all things, Or as it says in the ESV, in every circumstance we're called by God to give thanks. So it's the will of God to do that. It is God's revealed will that we are to be a thankful people. And to constantly give God thanks for all things. When we give thanks, not only is it the will of God, but God is also glorified. And that's huge. If you'll look just for a moment, if you have time, I have it marked so you may not have time. But listen to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 15. A gem of a verse. Listen to it. So we, for, sorry, verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends more and more people, for it is all for your sake, that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Hear that one more time. For it is is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Again, what a gem of a verse. Paul says that God is causing grace to abound so that thanks would abound, so that God's glory would abound. What an incredible verse of Scripture. God does what He does for us through His grace so that thanksgiving will abound and in turn He may be Glorified. It is a moral duty to give thanks because it is the revealed will of God that we give thanks and because it brings God glory. Here's another reason. Because ingratitude is a distinctive mark of depravity. Ingratitude, not to give thanks, 
is a mark of depravity. So ultimately, ingratitude is simply not bad manners. Ingratitude is a sign of a depraved and a wicked heart. You only need to look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21, to see the context. Paul is explaining that we're all guilty before God in Romans chapter 1. He begins that. And he is also showing the moral decline of humanity. And in chapter 1, verse 21, here's what the apostle says. For although they knew God, how? By general revelation that God created the world, right? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So Paul is addressing for us the decline of the human race and it is a moral imperative that we give thanks because ingratitude shows a depraved heart. Now you want me to pull right up to the table for you? Do you realize that if you're sitting down to receive a meal and you just start to dig into that thing and there's never a thought in your mind to thank the creator who actually provided that meal for you, it is a demonstration of gross ingratitude that shows wickedness of heart. Now I know sometimes you may say, well preacher I'm in a hurry and I just fail to pray. But no, if it is a habitual habit just to sit down in front of what God has blessed you with. You, you do understand you would not have that meal were it not for the Lord. Ultimately, for us to approach that and never have a heart of gratitude to the Lord God who is the giver of all things, right, is a, is a tragedy. So when, you, when we just go through life without giving thanks for blessings that God gives, that we know for sure come from His hand, it's nothing less than a sign of wickedness and depravity. So since ingratitude is a sign of depravity, giving thanks, folks, is a moral necessity. It is a duty that we give thanks. Here's one more thing about the moral duty. Thanksgiving is the distinctive mark of a Christian. Only Just let your eyes go back up on the page to chapter 5, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Do you see the, the contrast? Out of a depraved, wicked heart is filthiness of speech. But out of a person who is born of God, there is an attitude and distinctive mark of thanksgiving. Not filthiness, not crudeness, but thanksgiving. Please give attention, believer, with your ear to the Word of God as He instructs us. Since ingratitude is a grievous sin, according to Romans 1.21. Since it is the will of God that you give thanks. Since it glorifies God that we give thanks. Since it is a distinctive mark of what it means to be a believer. We need to understand that it is a moral duty... For us to give thanks. If you've been following our exposition of the scripture. Then you'll remember that to give thanks here is not a command. Right? It is commanded in the Bible. But here it's not in the position grammatically of a command. It's a participial phrase. The imperative is be filled with the spirit. This giving thanks that fourth participle of result is describing what you look like 
If you are controlled by the Spirit, you will be a thankful person. There is certainly a moral duty. That's why I spent the first part of the sermon to tell you that. There's a moral duty to give thanks. But the focus here is that it is a result of you being controlled by the Lord God through His Spirit. It's a result. It's lived out in your life. Now, question. Why does being filled with the Spirit result in thanksgiving? Do children come into this world naturally being grateful? We actually have to be taught explicitly to say thank you. What is it about the Spirit of God operating in our lives that produces this result of being a grateful person that overflows with joy and thanksgiving? What is it about that? Well, there are two things I want to say to you, and these are written down in your bulletin. Aren't you happy? Right? Here's the first one. When we are saturated by the Word of God... And we're controlled by the Spirit of God. We have an increasingly God-centered world view. Folks, that makes a difference of how you see the world. Thus your response. When you're saturated by the Word of God and you're filled with the Spirit of God, when you go through difficulties and situations in life, your mindset is different. It's because of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So the more that the Word of God saturates your mind... And the more that the Spirit of God controls your life, you begin to see through the lens of one verse. Multiple verses, but I think this one kind of sums it up. Chapter 11 of Romans, verse 36. For from Him, who is that? Jesus Christ. Listen to this verse. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. And then Paul says, to him be glory forever. Amen. When you begin to have that lens, the more God's word gets into you and the more the spirit exercises lordship over you and your thoughts, affections, and your will, the more you begin to see that Jesus Christ is at the center of all things. Thanksgiving becomes an inevitable outcome of that kind of mindset. When God is controlling, you are allowing Him to control through the Word and through His Spirit, your thoughts, affections, your will, your worldview has a lot to do with that. When you lay hold of these truths, when you're saturated with for Him and through Him and to Him, all are all things, inevitably, you'll have the fragrance of gratitude and thanksgiving because you realize that Jesus Christ is at the center of of it all. These things that you chalk up as luck or fate become things that you now realize flow from the hands of a sovereign loving father who is bringing these things into us to sustain us and conform us into the image of his son. And sometimes these things hurt. Sometimes they hurt, right? So when this fills your heart, then you're quick to offer thanksgiving and praise to your father who Is over all things. When a God-centered world and this view begins to permeate your life, you also grasp hold of the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God actually takes hold of you. Romans 8.28 comes to mind. Uh, That promise has some teeth to it, doesn't it? And we know 
that all things work together to good or for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. This verse becomes a pulsating reality in your life and it begins to control your view of circumstances and your life in general. When you know that God is working for good, not the way you want it to turn out, but he's working for good the way he desires for it to happen, then there's a a supernatural sense of gratitude. There's a supernatural sense of thanksgiving to our God who loves us and he actually cares about the minute details of your life. All things in Romans 8.28, exclusive. For we know that our God, that is with confidence, for we know. Sometimes we just say all things work together for good. You left out the most important part. And we know with confidence. That's how we view things when we have a Christian worldview. When you know that God is working all things together for good, there's this supernatural sense of gratitude and thanksgiving that God is intricately involved with the details of your life. Amen? That's the first thing. God-centered worldview affects your thanksgiving. Number two, when we are saturated with the Word of God and controlled by the Spirit, there's an inevitable joy in our hearts that results in gratitude for everything that God has done. Here's here's what I think. Here's my humble opinion. Are you all ready? There's no way a person can be increasingly saturated with the Word of God and increasingly controlled by the Spirit of God and not be overwhelmed with the magnitude of the grace of God. It is an impossibility. So what does that say about us when we have to tell our faces to have joy all the time? Right? What, what does that say about us? This is the very appeal that Paul makes in Romans 12 verse 1. Do you know that verse? Are you all familiar with it? We know the the outcome, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may, yes, present yourself an acceptable sacrifice. But do you know how it starts? I beseech you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Do you understand the reason we present ourselves this way is in view of the mercy of God that's been extended to us. So that's the obvious appeal. In other words, what has been totally unnatural for you before you met Christ all of a sudden becomes a natural outflowing. Why? Because you look at your life and say mercy has been extended. And when you consider those things, that he brought you out of a pit of despair, that he gave his only son for you. Extrapolate on this. Born of God. Sins are forgiven. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. An heir of his throne. Just think about this for a moment. What kind of person does this actually produce? It should produce one that is overflowing with joy and thanksgiving to Jesus Christ. This kind of thanksgiving can only be done by a Christian. This type here can only be given back to God from someone who is a born-again believer. Now... I believe that, but I think the scripture proves that. Especially when you began to consider this. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we may look at this and say there's a frequency to this thanksgiving. What's the frequency? Always. 
right? We may look at this text and say there's an occasion for this thanksgiving. All things. There's a basis that we even get the thanksgiving back to God. And his name is Jesus Christ. And then, of course, it is to whom? What direction is the thanks going? To God our Father. Now, it would be really nice for your sake if I just said that and I was done. But let's extrapolate on that, right? He addresses the frequency of it. When? Always. How often should this thanksgiving be rendered to God? The text says always. Now, it doesn't mean that every time I run up to you, thanks, and then I give you an expression, or I say something. It doesn't mean that. The word here means regularly or constantly. It doesn't mean every word that you say has to begin with thank you. What Paul has in mind and what he is saying is that thanksgiving should be done regularly and constantly. Not just on the 3rd November, or is it the last November? I don't know. It shouldn't be just on Thanksgiving Day. I would add to that, it should, not only, it should not be one on each day tacked to the end of your prayer before you fall asleep. It needs to be more than that. What it means is that thanksgiving is the fragrance and aroma of your life all the time as it is lived out. You're a thankful person. It is something that is regularly and constantly coming out of a spirit-filled heart. The frequency... Addresses the attitude of your mind and disposition of your heart. Right? For a spirit-filled Christian, praise and thanks are always at the tip of your tongue. Now, folks, I know you. And you know me. And I've been around a lot of people in my day. I'm almost 52 years old. And it's not... Completely missing. But it's a rare thing to be around somebody who is aging. And in the most difficult, dire straits that you could imagine. But they're still thankful. I'm telling you folks, I don't see much of that. Natalie and I had that discussion just yesterday. You just don't see it a lot. And it, and it bothers me. I sure pray that when I'm on my last leg. And I'm about to go to glory. And I know that twilight is fading. Amen. I pray to God that I'm a thankful person. And you should do the same thing. So, it ought to be always on the tip of our tongues. This attitude and disposition shapes your life. So that you're constantly ready to give praise to God by way of song. Or to give Him thanks for who He is. Does this take a changed life to become a person who gives thanks regularly? And the answer to that is yes. That's why I'm telling you that only Christians can give thanks like this. Because only believers give thanks constantly and regularly to God. Here's the second thing. We see the occasion for what or for what, right? The occasion is for what and the text says all things. We may at this point think that Paul's gone overboard. Paul, you've bumped your head. Thanks for all things or everything? you got to be kidding me. I can understand Paul saying thanks for the good things. But how in the world can we be thankful for everything or all things? There is in all of us a tendency for us to say in this realm of looking at life and the difficulties that we go through and everything involved with that. Surely Paul doesn't mean all things. 
So we might ask our question, ourselves a question. For all things, what does that include for Paul? Would we all agree that it should start with the benefits that God has given us through His Son? And ultimately, we would think about the heart and core of that, which is the fact that God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, right? The fact that we've been redeemed and He's given us grace and mercy in order for us to be awakened to our need for Christ and we believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to thank the Lord for that. And when I consider it, I think about the fact that if, he, if God would have just simply given us His only Son and nothing else, I think that would preoccupy all of eternity with thanksgiving from the people of God. When you get to glory, you'll figure that out. You may not want to do it today, but if you're saved and when you get to glory, you're going to do it for the rest of your life, for the rest of eternity. So I'm saying if it was only that God gave us His Son, that's enough to preoccupy our minds and hearts for all eternity. But you know, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, He did not spare His only Son, but gave Him up for us all. Will He not also freely give us all things? Oh, just take a deep breath and consider that for a moment. Here's how it actually says it. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Romans 8, 31 through 32. We are to thank the Lord God for his redemptive blessings. The grace of God extended to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also ought to give him thanks for what we might call the fringe benefits that we all enjoy. Because of the cross of Christ. Give him thanks for those things. All kinds of benefits flow out of Christ's work on the cross for us. And for wherever the gospel goes. Those are benefits. The Bible says we give thanks to our Father for every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. James 1.17 Jesus said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask? Aren't you all thankful for that? This means yes. This means no. Talk to me. Yes, we're talking about thanksgiving for the blessing of eternal life, but also to the benefits. We realize that the hub of our thanksgiving must be God, thank you for such a great salvation, right? But additionally, he not only saved you from your sins, he not only proved his worth of accomplishing it through the cross and the resurrection, it doesn't stop there. We have all his manifest blessings and kindness that flows out to us. And folks, it is a never-ceasing stream of, it's an ocean of kindness that comes down to us. This is how Paul starts this very epistle. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. You need only read the first chapter to consider what that looks like. So, we ought to be thankful for the redemption of Christ in us. We ought to be thankful for the benefits that flow out of it. Here's the second thing. We should also be thankful to the Lord for the people in our lives. When's the last time you stopped 
to give thanks to God for the people in your life. Have you ever noticed how often Paul gives thanks to God for people? He usually thanks the Lord for them by name. Think about this. The Holy Spirit of God allowed in the writing of Scripture, never overcoming Paul's personality, but also superintending in such a way that what Paul wrote was absolutely what God wrote down. And yet, he decided to include names. Is that important, folks? You better believe it. Paul was thankful for that. As a matter of fact, if you study 1 Thessalonians, you'll find that chapters 1 through 3 is really a prolonged section of thanksgiving and praise to God for people. Do you stop and thank the Lord for the people of God that he's given you in your life? Husband, do you thank God for the wife that God has given you? Got to, that's called a pregnant pause, right? Wife, do you thank the Lord God for the husband that he has given you? And I'm a man, so I have to say faults, flaws, warts, and everything else that we suffer from. Do you wives thank the Lord for your husbands? How about thanking the Lord for your children? What about one another? I sense this often in our church body. There's something special when you get to know people, the people around you. Love begins to overflow. Kim Kaufman just mentioned that to me about going to Guatemala. The first thing out of his mouth wasn't the work that they did, but the people he served with. Now, God can get the work done, okay? And he uses us to do that, and we need to hit to the task. But a mission trip is way more than just building a house. We are serving those people, but you serve with your brothers and sisters in the Lord, which makes all the difference in the world. I went to see Ron Young this week, and his health has just gone like this the last couple of years. And you know that he, Miss Martha's health has not been good. But he, here is a man who really can't talk to you about his church without weeping. Why? Because he loves the people. He talks about how much this church and the people have meant to him. Well, he's meant a lot to us too. Right? But it's reciprocal because he's thanking the Lord. Uh, we should thank God for this. Right? We should thank God for the people that he has put in our lives. Okay, so the saving purposes, yes. The good things, yes. People, yes. All right, are you ready for this? It also encompasses the trials that come your way. Uh-oh. Do you believe that the trials that come into your life are by the sweet, sovereign design of God Almighty? Do you believe that? We're told in James 1, 7, we're told in James 1, 3 to count it all joy. Now, Paul, you need to do, a, I mean, James, you need to do a retake on that. Count it all joy when you find yourselves in a very colored kinds of trials. Meaning, one size is not going to fit all. It's very colored. It's manifold. And God sends these trials. Why? So the testing of your faith may come out of it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, though it be tried by fire, may come out to the praising of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, God has a design for the trials that you go through. Right? We are to thank him in the midst of the trial. But have you thanked him for 
the trial. That's what God asks us to do. Cursed is the theology that constantly debuts out everything by saying, well, good comes from God, bad comes from the devil. We thank God for the good stuff. We curse the devil for the bad stuff. All the while, we're casting the devil out of our washing machine because we can't afford to buy another one because by inflation. Right? That's what we do. We curse the devil for a flat tire. And that may have saved your life today. That might have changed your course for 20 or 30 or 40 minutes without you getting hit on 65. Right? We curse the, the devil for a dead battery. We curse him for sickness. That's nonsense, folks. You can have your personal thoughts on the matter, but I don't believe anything comes into a life of a child of God apart from the fatherly care of a sovereign God. That's what the Bible teaches. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Go ahead and kick the footstool right out from under the devil with the knowledge that God is working all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. Is he a snake? Is he a deceiver? Is he a liar? Yes, he is. And he's on a short leash. And one of these days, God's going to snap his neck and it's going to be over. But in the meantime, look, have confidence that God Almighty is in control. He didn't write Romans 8.28 for no reason. He gave it to us for a reason. Uh, I've watched what death can do. I, I watched my friend suffer seven years with cancer. And dwindle away to under a hundred pounds. But he didn't see himself as a victim. And I didn't feel I was a victim because I had to walk through it. Why? Because I trust the Lord. If I could have changed it, I would have. When my dad was diagnosed with cancer, I remember distinctly him lying in a hospital bed. And I was 30 years old. And I said to him, if I could take your place, I would do it. And I would have, just like that, to live as Christ and to die as gain. I've got that confidence. I do not fear death. Now, I'm like Mark Lowry. I think about the mode, right? But I don't fear death. When I was on that plane the other day, I told uh, some people flying back from uh, Anaheim. I said, Mark Lowry says that it's really good to sit on the tail of the plane. Because when you see pictures, it's always the tail of the plane that's still together, right? He said, so I feel if I put my tail on the tail of that plane, I may save my tail, right? I, I do think about the mode. But when Jesus redeemed my heart, according to Hebrews 2, he took the fear of death away. He took it away. That's the enemy that wants you to think that. So, I remember my dad saying, you know you can't do that. You've got your whole life in front of you. And it's not God's will. You can't take my place. I, I remember that like it was yesterday. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, Jason Crabb, I'm not all up with his theology, but the song is good. If I had it my way, I'd take that from you. But God knows what he is doing. You can take it to the bank. His track record is 100% impeccable. He knows what he is doing. So, yes, it's hard, but you thank God for the trials. Amen? You thank Him for it. Now I can't see what's going on. 
you know, right? Well, here's the deal. Maybe you have a husband that's a misfit. I can say that for men because I feel like I am, right? So often, maybe you have children that are hard to control. They break your heart because it doesn't seem what's in here hits here and here and moves out to application. That can break your heart. But you know what? Foolishness is born up in the heart of a child, right? And you, you pray God's will for them and you pray they submit. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe it is a physical affli- affliction by way of illness. We need to step back and look at our Father who is perfectly sovereign and muster up the courage to say, Father, I thank you that I have been afflicted. You say, well, that's big time talk, but where is that found in the Bible? Glad you asked. Psalm 119, verse 7. David said, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. God, if it will help us love you more. Father, if it will help us submit to you more, which is the reason he gives us trials, then we will. So there's the frequency of that thanksgiving always. There's the occasion for the thanksgiving for all things. Man, I'm snotting everywhere. (laughs) And I'm on TV, right? I'm not preaching to them, the TV, I'm preaching to you, right? And if they hear it, well, yeah, you know what I mean, okay? All right, the basis is Jesus Christ. That's how you go to him. Y'all see it in the text? It encompasses all that Christ is when it says his name, his character. It's a conscious recognition of the mediatorial role of Christ. You know, folks, you don't have any access to the Father apart from Christ. That's why there's no way... A non-believer can pray this prayer and be heard by God. Why? Because it says you go to him in the name of the Son of God. You're basing everything on the mediatorial role of Jesus who gives you the access to the Father. It's a recognition of that. And to whom, what direction? It is to our Father. Folks, do you all know that God Almighty governs this world? He governs the nations. He's the Almighty. But you've got to love the word that he chose here. He's the Father. He's the Father. He's kind. He has a benevolent disposition to His children. He seeks to do us good. Here's what Matthew Henry writes. Our errand, E-R-R-A-N-D, at the throne of grace, is not only to seek the favor of God, but to give unto Him the glory due His name. And that not only by an awful adoration of His infinite perfection, perfections, but by a grateful acknowledgement of His goodness to us, which cannot indeed add anything to his glory. But he is pleased to accept of it and to reckon himself glorified by it. If it comes from a heart that is humbly sensible of its own unworthiness to receive any favor from God that values the gifts and the loves, the love that the giver gives to them. This is what Paul is telling us. Be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks, In the name of Jesus to the Father. Only a Christian has a perspective that all things come from our Father's hand through the merits of his Son. Only a Christian who is is in the place to offer up a Trinitarian thanksgiving. Y'all see this here? It's to the Father. It's led by the Spirit. It's in the name of the Son of God. Well, let's do some application and we're done. What kind of people are we? Are we quick to complain? Are we grumblers? 
Are we murmurers? Be careful with that one because the Lord God opened up the earth and swallowed up 150,000 Israelites for murmuring. Y'all see me do this, but let's do it again. Smile and say murmur. Go ahead and say it. Y'all know how y'all look when y'all do that? It's pretty hard to be joyful and to say murmur, right? Just murmur, murmur, murmur. Now, we know if we do a spiritual inventory, we often complain and murmur and grumble way more than we give thanks to our God, right? Do you find yourself being critical of other people who do the very same things that you do? Uh-oh. Do we find ourselves with a judgmental disposition of not liking the person, not liking this person or that person? You ever notice that's why we have such a hard time owning that sin? Because we know it's in us, but we like to pick it out in someone else. Whew! That's hard, isn't it? We see somebody grumbling about life and murmuring all the time, and I'm so sick. And that's all you ever hear. No thanks to God. And we say, ooh, we despise that. But yet we turn right around and we don't own it for ourselves. How dare anybody say that we've done that? Yes, we're guilty. We have a hard time doing that. What about the sense of the entitlement program that we have in our world today? That we're just supposed to get it without working for it. And we stomp around like an ungrateful child when we don't get it. And we do so in the face of a holy God who gives us everything we need. He does. Okay? So, when we're filled with the Spirit, saturated with the Word of God, we have a disposition of gratitude that overflows to praise. My question, are you filled with praise and thanksgiving for His abounding mercy? So refreshing to see a brother or sister while encountering a trial, maybe facing death, right? To maintain that aroma of gratitude before God. We, Natalie and I had this experience this past week. She had sent a text to Miss Ann Brown, and her husband's name is Ray. Ray and Ann Brown. Ray is 78, Ann is 75. Mr. Ray had prostate cancer when he was 60. God healed him from that, and now he has bladder cancer. And he's being treated, and the Lord's worked it out where the meds can be uh, not in Charleston, but in Augusta, Georgia, where he needs them. and in the midst of that, Miss Ann comes down with shingles. And she was telling Natalie by way of text, and Natalie forwarded it to me, that she was dealing with shingles. And here's what she says. It's very painful. But I'm praising our Father. It's not as bad as it could be. And then she says, you better go get a shot for that. I would have 50 babies without pain meds rather than this. But she says, but God is our great healer and comforter you know when you hear people talk like that you say yes you've got it right yes you know what it means to be overcome with joy to God even in the midst of shingles or your husband has bladder cancer whatever that may be it's a disposition that comes from within the mind and the heart and affections because you've been changed by God amen let's be a thankful people Father, help us. Lord, help me. Lord, to fall under your word in this particular area. Lord, our motto around here is life together under the word. And we know what it says about thanksgiving. God, help us submit to it. Help us to be a thankful people. 
God, it's an evidence of being saturated with your word and controlled by your spirit that we are thankful people. Lord, we know you have the power to save. You can save a soul today. And Lord, we know we would be eternally grateful to you if you do. But Lord, I would pray that we would be able to see it because it rebounds to your glory. Lord, it shows what a good and gracious God you are. Lord, you didn't have to save any of us, but we're thankful that you did. We thank, we're so thankful for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you for the benefits. Lord God, thank you for the people you put around us. Help us to be a grateful people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Brother David's going to lead us. Let's stand and sing, Come to Jesus. Are you weary, heavy laden? Come and lay your burdens down. Jesus calls you, Jesus draws you, rest in Him. He is gentle, He is lowly, He delights to bring us peace. Shepherd, mighty Savior, rest in Him. And how sure His compassion for us. Oh, how deep is His love. So come, come to Jesus and rest in Him. guilty, caught in shame by all your sin. He pursues you to forgive you, rest in Him. He has paid, He has paid for every failure. Mercy flows in endless streams. Come and follow, freedom calls you, rest in Uh, keep in mind that the way the months work and we started Sunday evening services, we won't meet tonight. And we don't have Sunday night services in the month of July, okay? But there's a lot going on, Bible school, uh, youth camps. And so please, even though we're not meeting on Sunday night and we don't see each other as much, don't forget to pray, okay? But we do have a Wednesday, or do we? Yes. Yes. We have prayer meeting and singing. Right, uh, choir practice in the month of July. Okay, well, uh, I need. I am thankful for my church family. Six years ago today, you voted me in as your pastor, for good or bad. Right, <laughs> so um, I didn't start preaching in June. I, I didn't start preaching till August, but I became your pastor in June six years ago. God is good. I'm blessed to be here, and now and I feel the same way together. Amen. So the Lord bless you, and I appreciate relationships and friendships, and I thank God for people.
And we all need to, to thank the Lord for it. Amen. All right, Brother David. Let's close with that last verse of the Isaac Watts hymn. Were the whole realm of nature.